0: Hello, my friend, welcome back to the club. How are you today? We have got a big, important topic to talk about. This is probably one of the most important episodes that I will do. Um, You've heard me warn you repeatedly to stay away from the seed oils. In fact, I've told you, I've told clients, I've told anyone, really, (laughs) who will listen If you only take one piece of my advice, take this one. Implement this one. Avoid the commercially processed seed oils as much as possible. But what I haven't done is go deeper into the explanation of why. And that's what we're going to do today. Talk about how these new kids on the block, these seed oils that used to not be in our food supply, but now make up a significant portion of it, lead to chronic illness disease, and obesity. These poofas will make you poofy, my friend, with inflammation and fat. In fact, a high poofa diet interferes with your fat burning ability. And who needs that? Nobody. So let's talk about it. You're probably wondering what the heck a poofa is. And so let's start out with that. PUFA stands for polyunsaturated fatty acid most of the seed oils fall into this category there are three different kinds of fatty acids saturated monounsaturated and polyunsaturated the PUFA. saturated fats come from foods like dairy butter tallow uh, which is beef fat and coconut and you find it in the animal fats in general monounsaturated fats come from, from foods like olives avocados and peanuts And then we have our polyunsaturated fats, which come from um, some of the nuts, seeds, grains, fish, and from some animal fat as well. And historically, that's how we got them in our diet, naturally through whole foods. That is not the problem. The problem is that now the PUFA category is so much bigger and more present in our food supply because manufacturers started mass producing oils made from these seeds. And for whatever reason, they're always collectively referred to as seed oils, perhaps because the cotton seed was one of the first ones to be introduced, but it also includes soybean and corn too, but they're all kind of lumped into this uh, seed oil category. So to understand why this is a problem, we have to get a little nerdy for a minute, okay? And talk about the difference in the molecular makeup of these fatty acids, all right? these. Saturated fats, the monounsaturated fats, and the polyunsaturated fats. And what it really boils down to is stability. These fatty acids have different levels of stability in their molecular makeup. And the more we eat the unstable fatty acids, the more unstable our health and our weight is going to be. To be a good source of fuel, like a fat burning fuel, A fatty acid needs good stability. And here's what you need to remember, the more unsaturated the fat, the more unstable it is, okay? What creates the instability are basically these spaces in the molecular makeup of the fatty acids. They're actually double bonds, okay, the technical term, but let's just think of them as spaces for the sake of simplicity. Saturated fatty acids have no spaces, monounsaturated fatty acids have one, mono means one, and polyunsaturated, the PUFAs have multiple spaces. So the more spaces between the hydrogen molecules, the easier oxygen can get in there and oxidize and cause damage. Okay, so the more spaces, the more instability. I read a good analogy of this in the Fat Burn Fix by Dr. Kate Shanahan. Imagine a dinner party. Okay. And that every seat at your long dining table is filled with a friend. That is a saturated fat table. Okay. There are no empty seats, no spaces. So no random oxygen guests can wander over and sit down at the table and disturb the dinner party. Now, if the dining table had one empty seat, that's a monounsaturated fatty acid dinner party. There's one missing set of hydrogen atoms. But one empty seat is not too big a deal. That's a little more unstable. Okay. But it's when we have two or more empty seats at our fatty acid dinner table, when things can go a little cray cray, right? Poly means multiple. And so when we have multiple pairs of missing hydrogen atoms, it is just way too easy for the oxygen guests to come in and sit at our table and wreck the party. PUFAs are unstable molecules, and so we have to be careful when we invite them to our dinner party. Saturated fats always get a bad rap, but they are your stable friend. They are going to do you a solid because they are more solid. (laughs) There are no spaces. When we think of saturated fats like butter, they are more solid at room temperature, whereas your polyunsaturated fat is always a liquid, right? It's your more loosey-goosey friend. And I want you to remember these solid and loosey-goosey descriptions when it comes to your cell membranes because every cell in your body has a membrane around it, which is largely made of fat. And that cell membrane needs to be like Goldilocks, not too solid, not too loosey-goosey, but just right. It needs to be healthy to do its job. And in order for you to be healthy at a cellular level, you need healthy cell membranes. But the overconsumption of the PUFAs compromises the health of your cell membranes. Remember how I told you that when I see my family eat junky food, all I see is floppy cell membranes? <laughs> that is what I'm talking about. Okay, so now you know the difference between the molecular makeup of the fatty acids. Did you ever think you would care about this? Yeah, me either. Um, but. You kinda need to know that um, to really understand what the problem is. Okay, but now I wanna zero in on the PUFA category specifically and break it down a little further. Okay, so you with me? So now we're just talking about the PUFAs, the polyunsaturated fatty acid category. And there are two major kind of PUFAs. We have our omega-3s and our omega-6s. These are known as the essential fatty acids. They're called essential because the body doesn't make them. We must get them from food. They are essential. What is so interesting is that the body does make saturated and monounsaturated fatty acids because it needs them in large amounts and the body cannot risk you not getting enough from food. So our body can produce some of its own, some of its own saturated fat and monounsaturated fat to keep a more steady supply. So when you hear that saturated fat is bad, I mean, your body makes saturated fat, you already have it inside of you. That is how God made us. But the body does not make PUFAs. And we do need we need some poofas because we need to get some of these omega sixes and omega threes. But we don't need that many. We only need them in small amounts. And we can get them from food. It is estimated that we only need about three to five grams of the essential essential fatty acids per day, but the average American gets 50 to 80 grams of PUFA a day. And that is a major problem, my friend, because you have way too many unstable guests at your dinner party. In the early 1900s, people's fat tissue were made up of about two to 3% of polyunsaturated fatty acids, okay? There was, there was some study of a biopsy done. So um, in the early 1900s, people's, fatty acids, people's fat tissue was about two to 3% PUFA. Today, the average American's fat tissue is made of 20 to 30% PUFA. And that is a significant difference. And we're gonna talk about why that's a problem, how it's harder to get rid of fat when you have more PUFA in your fat tissue. Now, we could go deeper into the breakdown of the different kinds of omega-3s and omega-6s, but we're not going to do that today. Maybe in another episode. Today I want to keep it more of a you know broader 10,000 uh, foot view, and um, I don't want you to totally glaze over by all of the, the science here. Um, but the main point is, is that you don't need a ton of PUFAs. You need some, but you don't need a lot. The problem is we're getting a lot. We're especially getting a lot of the omega-6s because we have this whole new category that has been introduced into the human diet that didn't used to be there with the manufacturing of all of these oils. Dr. Kate Shanahan terms them the hateful eight, which includes soybean oil, cottonseed oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, corn oil, grape seed oil, rape seed oil, which is canola oil, and rice bran oil. They did not exist at any significant level in the human food supply until the early 1900s. Okay, and now these oils are available everywhere and in everything. They're used as cooking oils, they're in your salad dressing, they're in packaged foods, they're in your restaurant foods. These are the oils that most restaurants use for cooking. The addition of these oils is probably the most significant change in the human diet in the last 100 years. And what have we seen in the last 100 years? An alarming rise in heart disease, cancer, obesity, diabetes, and other chronic illness that was not an issue for our ancestors like it is for us today. Now, another important fact that we gotta keep in mind here when it comes to the omega-3s and the omega-6s is that the omega-3s promote the anti-inflammatory pathways in the body and the omega-6s promote the inflammatory pathways in our bodies, and we need both. You know, we, obviously we want to use the omega-3s to anti-inflame, and the omega-6s help us inflame in a way that we need. They help find infection and clot our blood. But again, if we're getting too many of the omega-6s, especially in relationship to the omega-3s, we're gonna be in a chronic inflammatory state We've got to keep those omega-3s and omega-6s somewhat balanced. They should be in a ratio of about one to four. So like for every one omega-3 you're getting in your diet, you need about four omega-6 fatty acids. That's about the ratio that our ancestors had. But now that ratio is more like one to 20. We're getting 20 times more omega-6s than we are omega-3s. So now we have this huge gap in our omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, which means we have some serious runaway inflammation all of this extra omega-6 that we get now puts us in a pro-inflammatory state that our ancestors did not have as a problem. And what does all of this inflammation contribute to? Chronic illness, disease, obesity. And I don't want to delve into this part of this today either, because it can be its whole own episode. But consider this, Why is it being recommended to take so much fish oil nowadays to fight inflammation? Why do we have so much inflammation? Because we have too many of these omega-6s in relation to omega-3s. So the fish oil is kind of like a band-aid, right? To close that gap, to bring that closer to a better ratio. But maybe a better answer is to stop eating so many of the omega-6s, throwing us into inflammation. Now, in the podcast I did um, about influencing the health of our family and friends, I talked about how the constitution of each generation is getting worse and worse. Do you remember that? And this is a huge part of that. Our great or great-great grandparents, depending how old you are, did not have this high percentage of polyunsaturated fat accumulating in their cell membranes and fat tissues like we do today. Which wreaks systemic havoc in our bodies. These seed oils were first introduced in the mid to late 1800s. Cottonseed oil was originally used as machine and lamp oil. Okay, when after the whales, because whale oil was more commonly used, but then after they'd overhunted the whales and they didn't have as good of a, a supply of whale oil, they started using cottonseed oil. So it was used for machine and lamp oil. Then it started being used in c- cattle feed and then in people feed, yum, yum. So manufacturers started mixing cottonseed oil with lard, okay, to kind of try to uh, expand it and further its use. And by 1911, they had invented Crisco. This was our first major downfall. In order to make these liquid polyunsaturated oils into a solid, like for Crisco or margarine, manufacturers have to add hydrogen to the oils This process is called hydrogenation and it creates trans fats, which are incredibly toxic to the body. But it helps to make them more solid or spreadable, you know, like those spreadable fake um, margarine type things, you know, instead of butter. Hydrogenated oils are also used in cakes and cookies and other processed foods. And this is how manufacturers make these foods more shelf stable so they can live on a grocery shelf or in your pantry. Essentially what they're trying to do is make it act more like a saturated fatty acid, right? Be be more stable. Um, But instead of using real food saturated fatty acids, it's cheaper to use the PUFAs, okay? To hydrogenate them and um, put them in these foods. It is not better for your health. It is cheaper. And what's also unfair is that these hydrogenated oils often get lumped into the saturated fat category which is part of the reason that saturated fats get such a bad rap. Because they are factory-made saturated fats, not saturated fats like God made them. But when they're looking at studies and such, a lot of the times they will lump these man-made hydrogenated oils, you know, making them into more of like a saturated fat. And yeah, of course, well, those are bad for you, but not the ones that God's made. Okay. The other big one um, that came out was soybean oil. It was introduced in the early 1900s around 1909. And it wasn't in our diet at all. Before then, okay, before 1909, really. But by 1999, 100 years later, it increased 1000 fold as part of our diet. In fact, soybean oil now makes up about 70 to 80% of the fat intake of most Americans. So most of the fat Americans eat comes from soybean oil, because it's in everything now keep in mind before the introduction of these seed oils into the food supply the primary fats here in America were really butter tallow and lard animal fats our ancestors weren't flying in coconuts and avocados <laughs> to make oil in the early to mid 1900s okay and olive oil wasn't really commonly used yet either it was fats well, in the United States, anyway, it was fats from animals. And our ancestors did not die of heart attacks and cancer like we do today. There wasn't the epidemic of obesity and diabetes and other chronic illnesses. As the use of these seed oils have risen over the last century, so have our illness, disease, and fat. The oils extracted from things like soybeans, corn, cotton seeds, safflower seeds, and rape seeds must be refined, bleached, and deodorized before they are quote unquote suitable for human consumption. Suitable is, yeah, (laughs) very subjective. Um, And by the way, there was no testing done to, to assess that, in fact, these are suitable for human consumption. But first, they have to go through this process. They have to be heated to extremely high temperatures And this causes the unsaturated fatty acids in the seeds to oxidize. This is the instability part, right? This is the spaces part. These are the unstable guests coming to our fatty acid dinner party, okay? When they are exposed to heat, light, and air. And that creates byproducts that are harmful to human and animal health. Then the seeds are processed with a petroleum-based solvent, yum, yummy to maximize the amount of oil extracted from them. And then they use chemicals to deodorize the oils because they don't smell good when they're extracted. So they got to put some deodorant on them. And then they throw in a few more chemicals to improve the color and the look. Okay. Anything that has to go through that much trouble to be quote unquote edible is probably not real food the way God made it. Nonetheless, We now have all of these seed oils or factory fats, whatever you want to call them, in our food supply that used to not be there. And yet we have been sold hook, line, and sinker that these oils are better for us, better than the natural fat that God made. And that is a lie. And it is one of the most despicable irresponsible acts of our government health agencies and independent health agencies like the American Heart Association. I'm just going to call you out, AHA. We have had the fear of God put in us not to eat the animal-based fats, even though that's what everyone did for all of time, (laughs) until these oils started being manufactured. I mean, so how could that be? Like, how did, did, did this happen? Well, we can point to a couple of things. Interestingly, people started dropping dead of heart attacks in the nineteen fifties, like no one had ever seen before. Hmm, I wonder why. And there was an opportunistic physiologist named Ansel Keys, who just he really screwed things up. You've probably heard me throw his name around out in some of these podcasts when it comes to anything to do with cholesterol, cardiovascular Um, misconceptions, because Ansel Keys, uh, it kind of starts with him, if there's a villain in this story, he's it. So Ansel Keys worked for the University of Minnesota, and was hired by the Minnesota Public Health Department to study the problem of rising heart attacks. And he was a very ambitious and aggressive guy. Okay, and he was really trying to make a name for himself in his career and in the scientific circles. So he presented what's known as the diet heart hypothesis which purported that in countries where people ate more animal fat, people died of heart disease more often. So he suggested that saturated fat and cholesterol were bad for you, would clog your arteries and give you heart disease. He did not have any good science to back this up. He'd done a few studies, but kind of cherry picked the information, like picked out what supported his theory, and then just kind of left the rest out of the report. And there were science, some scientists that did not buy this. They were like, this is not legit this kind of study. But because the country was in such a panic, because heart disease had skyrocketed to become the number one killer, and men specifically were just l- dropping like flies, people wanted some kind of answer to glob onto. And so it was accepted as truth. In fact, President Eisenhower Um, had a heart heart attack around this time while in office. And so this really ratcheted up the national panic and drew a lot of attention to the issue. So it was the right place and the right time for Ansel Keys because the nation was looking for answers. Everybody wanted answers. And they looked to their leaders and scientists to tell them what to do. And there were several hypotheses being bandied around, but unfortunately it was Ansel Keys' hypothesis that stuck even though it really didn't have any good science to back it up. And this is kind of interesting. I mean, the country's margarine producers really liked his hypothesis because it helped sell their product. And another little dirty tidbit is that the American Heart Association relied on large donations from the vegetable oil industry, okay, also jumped on board with this hypothesis and allowed Ansel Keys onto their nutrition committee dirty, dirty, dirty. Okay, by 1961, the first recommendations were issued by the American Heart Association to limit saturated fat and cholesterol. It wasn't until around 1970 that the American Heart Association decided to recommend limiting all fats. Up until then it was just saturated fat. But they figured that by limiting all fat, which has nine calories per gram versus four calories per gram that you find in protein and carbs, that it would naturally limit calories and therefore help control obesity. Well, we know how that has worked, like not at all. Because what did that make us do? By cutting saturated fat, we leaned in harder to the seed oils. By reducing fat in general, we started eating more carbs, more cereals, more pastas, more grains. This is ultimately how we got the food pyramid telling us to eat all the carbs and to limit fat. And that's why people like me spent their college years eating dry baked potatoes, snack well cookies and drinking beer. But I wasn't eating fat. So that's good. (laughs) Okay. Now, the kicker to all of this is that I mean, there was really no good science to support the recommendation of a low fat diet. There's a really good book called The Big Fat Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz and it details out all of this information. It's just, it's so shocking and scandalous. She goes into how there was not a single clinical trial or test of a low fat diet or a diet restricted in saturated fat, no science to support this recommendation. They prescribed a diet that had never fully been tested. They made these early recommendations to limit saturated fat and cholesterol in the face of a panicked nation, needing answers, demanding leadership on what they should do about heart disease. And this is what we got, unproven information that we are still paying for today. When they finally did start testing Ancel Keys' hypothesis in the late 60s and early 70s, they could not confirm that limiting saturated fat or fat in general had any benefit for health at all. It did not prevent obesity. It did not prevent type two diabetes. It did not prevent cardiovascular mortality, and it did not prevent cancer. In fact, Ansel Keys actually ended up running a true scientific experiment after the fact called the Minnesota Coronary Experiment, which actually revealed that people who had more PUFA had more cardiovascular events like strokes and heart attacks, despite having a lower LDL cholesterol. I want you to hear this, my friends. You are absolutely still at risk for a heart attack, even with a low LDL, if you are eating these seed oils. Your LDL may not show being high, but if they're oxidized because of these PUFAs, That is what's dangerous. Oxidized LDL is what is deadly, okay? So there were no positive results of these studies to support these policies and recommendations. And in fact, the studies were showing the opposite. But Did they retract these dietary recommendations? Nope, they dug their heels in deeper. Essentially, these study results were buried. They were dismissed, they disappeared, and that was that. They were so contradictory to what the American people had been told to do. Essentially, there was too much crow to eat that they ignored the studies showing that saturated fat, fat in general and cholesterol were not bad for health. Now, these studies have been resurrected. I literally think they were found in somebody's basement. <laughs> um, but that's why fat has made a comeback in this last decade. I mean, it should have never left in the first place. But now we see, you know, fat is healthy and fat is good. And oh my goodness, you just have to understand that saturated fat and fat in general, the fats that God made, the fats that have been around since the creation of the world are not the ones that cause heart attacks, obesity, diabetes, and cancer. What's slowly coming around, I mean, very very, very painfully slowly is the recognition that these seed oils, these highly processed oxidative PUFAs, they are the problem and are harmful to your health and making you fat. Now one thing they did do when they discovered that oh, these vegetable oils really aren't that great for humans, is they started pushing canola oil. Now I'm gonna read a passage from an article um, that I got from the Weston A. Price Foundation website. It's called The Great Con Ola, like we're being conned here. Okay, it says, by the 1980s, the food industry had a problem. In collusion with the American Heart Association, numerous government agencies and departments of nutrition at major universities and the industry had been promoting polyunsaturated oils as heart-healthy, a heart-healthy alternative to artery-clogging saturated fats. Unfortunately, it had become increasingly clear that polyunsaturated oils, particularly corn oil and soybean oil, cause numerous health problems, including and especially cancer. The industry was in a bind. It could not continue using large amounts of liquid polyunsaturated oils and make health claims about them in the face of mounting evidence of their dangers. Nor could manufacturers return to using traditional healthy saturated fats like butter, lard, and tallow, palm oil, and coconut oil without causing an uproar. Besides, these fats cost too much for the cutthroat profit margins in the industry. The solution was to embrace the use of monounsaturated oils such as olive oil, Studies had shown that olive oil has a better effect than polyunsaturated oils on cholesterol levels and other blood parameters. Promotion of olive oil, which had a long history of use, seemed more scientifically sound to the health conscious consumer than the promotion of corn and soy oil, which could only be extracted with modern stainless steel presses. The problem for the industry was that there was not enough olive oil in the world to meet its needs. And like butter and other traditional fats, olive oil was too expensive to use in most processed foods. The industry needed a less expensive monounsaturated oil. Rapeseed oil was a monounsaturated oil that had been used extensively in many parts of the world, notably in China, Japan, and India. It contains almost 60% monounsaturated fatty acids compared to about 70% in olive oil. Unfortunately, about two-thirds of the monounsaturated fatty acids in rapeseed oil are, ur- oh, goodness, y'all can't say it, E-R-U-C-I-C, uric acid, okay? And it's a monounsaturated fatty acid that has been ex- associated with Keshenan's disease, which is characterized by fibrotic lesions of the heart. In the late 1970s, Canadian plant breeders came up with a genetically modified variety of rapeseed that produces a lower amount of that E word, (laughs) acid, (laughs) that I can't say, that causes the heart lesions. Okay, so that was the passage um, from the Weston A. Price Foundation from that article. I will link to it in the show notes. But the article goes on to explain that the properties of this newly modified rapeseed oil, which by the way, got named canola oil because this new version was created and used first in Canada. So can, you know, canola, canola. Um, But canola oil does have more of the monounsaturated fats than it does the PUFAs. It still has PUFA in it, just not as much as some of the other seed oils, okay? Um, I mean, one thing you should know is that none of the fats are 100% saturated or monounsaturated or PUFA they all have kind of a mixture of the fatty acids, but they're classified by their primary structure. So if they're mostly saturated, they get labeled a saturated fat. If they're mostly um, polyunsaturated, they get labeled a PUFA, okay? Um, even butter is like 70% saturated and 25% monounsaturated, okay? So they all kind of have a little, a little bit of everything in them. Um, but the canola oil got pushed as heart healthy and it is still marketed that way today but it is not heart healthy. Like I would in no way, shape or form seek out and purposefully use canola oil to improve my cardiovascular health, okay? Um, I just think that is such deceptive marketing and it's just like their cover up because you know they're, what do you call it? They're scapegoat kind of, I guess, because of they had been recommending all of these very harmful oils. Okay, so we know that the PUFAs are harmful because of their molecular structure. Um, they are easily damaged when exposed to light, heat, and air, which they are exposed to in processing and that big old processing um, process that I explained and told you about with all the deodorant and everything. Um, but again, when you use them, I mean, so they are highly oxidized. By the time you get them, they're already you know, damaged. And then you pour that oil into your hot pan, your hot frying pan, or the restaurant uses them to uh, make your French fries or saute your vegetables. Um, toxic, toxic, toxic. You have these highly damaged molecules going into your body, generating toxic byproducts and free radicals, which damage your arteries and your cell membranes. Okay, like I said, every cell of your body has a cell membrane around it, which is made of fat. And if yours are mostly made of damaged PUFAs, you are unhealthy at a cellular level. Now, here's another big thing. Our bodies were not designed to burn polyunsaturated fats for fuel. We burn saturated fat and monounsaturated fat. Well, remember how I told you our body um, already makes some of that on its own, right? But we don't burn polyunsaturated fat fat well. And so what does it do? It accumulates in our adipose tissue, and our fat tissue, and our cell membranes and slows down the way our mitochondria generate energy. Our mitochondria are those cell makers, I mean, I'm sorry, the energy makers in our cells. Remember how I said in the early 1900s, Americans had about two to three percent of their fat tissue made out of the PUFA, and now it's more like 20 to 30 percent? And because we don't burn it efficiently as fuel, the more PUFA you have in your adipose tissue, the less efficient you will be at burning fat. It slows down the overall fat burning process so that you don't burn fat well at all. And that is a recipe for obesity right there. And here's the thing, because it's hard to burn as fat, PUFAs are hard to get out of your fat tissue. It can take two years. This is why it's critical critical that you stop eating these seed oils now because it takes a long time to process them process them out of your system. And while they are so prevalent in your system, you will not be at your best health or fat burning capability. Now think of this, if all of these poofas in your body slow down your ability to burn fat for fuel, what is your body going to have to burn instead? Sugar because those are the two fuels your body uses, right? Fat and sugar, you know, glucose. So the worse you are at burning fat, the more your body requires sugar and carbs to get its energy needs. This keeps you in a perpetual sugar eating, sugar craving, sugar burning mode. You might be trying so hard to stop eating a bunch of sugar and carbs, but your body essentially drives you to eat it because it can't get the energy it needs from fat. It can't burn fat. And Dr. Kate Shanahan says that these oils create carbohydrate addiction at a cellular level. The more PUFA you have in your fat cells, the less your body can burn fat and will need to use carbs and sugar. And not only that, to add insult to injury, the dietary seed oils have been shown to convert to a chemical in your brain that induces overeating Specifically, overeating of carbs. And more bad news: PUFAs can also make your fat cells overly expand. Because okay, so what we want to happen, we want our fat cells to divide and make more smaller fat cells, instead of having less bigger, less but bigger fat cells. Does that make sense? So we, it's better for your body to have um, a bunch of smaller fat cells than to have less fat cells, but have them be Uh, big overly stuffed ones. But unfortunately, the seed oils kind of break your body's ability to ability to do that. Okay, To, to divide and make more fat cells. In fact, they create a situation where your fat cells are taking on more of your calories than they should. So you and your friend might be eating like the same foods and the same amount of calories, but more of your calories are getting sucked away into your fat cells instead of being used for other purposes. And having big overly stuffed fat cells is a major problem. It's called adipocyte hypertrophy which means you have these overly big distended unhealthy fat cells which are essentially metabolically broken fat cells and when those fat cells get too big and can't divide, fat cells become sick. This is what leads to inflammation and metabolic dysfunction. If they can't divide to make smaller ones, Um, And too many PUFAs contribute to that problem. They just get bigger and bigger. And this is a major metabolic problem. The more PUFAs in your fat tissue, the more you risk this problem with obesity. Okay. I hope you're convinced by now how horrible these seed oils are for you. Um, And this is why we want to eat a low PUFA diet, not a no PUFA diet. That's actually impossible, I think. Um, because they're in so many things. But naturally, and we got to get those essential fatty acids, right? But we can get those from um, whole foods. And we do not need very many PUFAs. And we're just getting way too many. So what do we do? Okay, number one, the most obvious is to get the seed oils out of your kitchen, clean out your pantry, throw the margarine away from your fridge. Do not wait until you finish the bottle of corn oil or vegetable oil or canola oil or whatever you have in there. Like, oh, I'll do it after I finish it. No, ma'am. Throw it away today. And then fill your pantry with coconut oil, extra virgin olive oil, get some avocado oil, and get some real butter or ghee for your fridge. If you can get butter from grass fed cows, even better. I recommend you look for extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil in dark glass bottles. Um, it helps protect them. You know, they those are monounsaturated fatty acids and even though they only have one space at the dinner party table, they're still a little bit more um, prone to uh, damage. But if you if they're protected with those dark glass bottles, you know, they're not touching plastic, they're not getting so much light to them, it, um, it just helps maintain the integrity um, of the oil. Okay. And um, another thing you have to think about, and this just really sucks, (laughs) is that um, a lot of olive oils and avocado oils will be labeled olive oil, avocado oil, but have been cut with um, vegetable oils. So it can be like 51% olive oil and 49% vegetable oil, but because it's mostly (laughs) <laughs> barely, olive oil, manufacturers can label it as olive oil and not have to tell you there's vegetable oil in there. <sighs> I know y'all. I know. I mean, what is happening in our world? Um, anyway, it's horrible. So you don't really want to cut corners. This is not the time to go get the biggest, you know, jug of olive oil that you can get as cheap as you can. Okay, you want to get, you know, buy it in small batches, you know, like in in glass bottles, those dark green glass bottles and, um, you know, get a high quality oil. I think California Olive Ranch is a pretty good brand and can be found in most stores. I use extra virgin olive oil a lot more than I use avocado oil. The fats I mostly use are olive oil, um, coconut oil and butter. I also recently rendered some tallow from our grass-fed beef fat i felt like an old-school pioneer woman (laughs) um and i posted about it in social media you can go back and look at that and if you um search tallow in the facebook uh, community i kind of go through that um and i've been using that for some cooking you know our american ancestors used a lot of butter and tallow which actually are really good sources of the fat-soluble vitamins, like vitamins A, D, E, and K. You don't get that from oils. You don't get that nutrition from oils, not even coconut oil. So do not be afraid to use animal fats, my friends. God sucked some really good nutrition in there. Um, People often ask what I use for baking instead of vegetable or canola oils, and I typically use butter or coconut oil or kind of a combo. Sometimes I might use avocado oil, but that's very rare. Mostly I use butter because butter is delicious. Okay, number two. So number one is get them out of your kitchen. Do not use them when you are cooking. Number two is to avoid as much packaged food, salad dressings, and mayonnaise that have these oils, You know, as you can, and there are a lot of them. I want you to make it a point this week to flip over every package or bottle that you're gonna buy. Um, at the store, or even if you're pulling it from your pantry or your fridge, maybe you already have them, you probably do, and read the ingredients, okay? I guarantee you it's gonna shock you how much you see, especially the soybean oil, the corn oil, the canola oil. All right, as far as salad dressings go, I mean, you could be making this beautiful, gorgeous salad and then just drenching it in these harmful oils. Um, I really like Primal Kitchen as far as a bottled salad dressing goes. Honestly, I just don't use a lot of bottled salad dressing. I use just some really good quality um, olive oil, maybe some lemon, like a score of lemon, uh, maybe some high quality balsamic um, vinegar, stuff like that. I usually kind of concoct my own. But if I'm going to buy a, uh, a salad dressing, I will usually buy Primal Kitchen. Okay, now I know that I'm probably going to get the question about the high oleic oils um, because I used to recommend Tessa as a good salad dressing option. They used to use olive oil, but they have now switched to high oleic sunflower oil. And oleic acid is the main main one in monounsaturated fatty acids. And so what they have done is manipulate it to make it more like a monounsaturated fat. But there are still... Uh, there are still poofas in there. You're not free and clear. It, it is a better, it's a step in the right direction. It's better. Um, but I wouldn't say it's good for you. You know, I would still look for something else. Um, okay, but I want you to read ingredients. Make it a point. Flip it over and be looking for those oils. And honey, if you see the word hydrogenated, I want you to run for the hills. That's like Satan in your hand. Okay, number three. Now this one, you're probably not thinking about as a source of poofas, and that's your meat. Sadly, these oils, mostly soybean and corn oil, have infiltrated the animal food supply. You know, most beef, chicken, turkey, eggs, and even fish that you buy at the store have been fed soy and corn in some form, which means they're getting a lot of PUFA, in which, by the way, is not their natural diet. How many fish, you know, get a lot of uh corn and soy naturally in the sea or the lakes right doesn't make sense um but they get fed a lot of these poofas and they pass these poofas on to you now what's really interesting however is that the ruminant animals like cattle sheep goats and deer better process these poofa these poofas out and so you don't get quite as many passed on to you but um Chicken, pork, those are pretty high in omega-6s, unless you're getting them pasture-raised. In fact, I read that the number one source of linoleic acid, which is the main omega-6 fatty acid that's so problematic, is chicken. That's kind of shocking, right? And a lot of people are relying on chicken, you know, the white meat as their source of protein. But unless you're getting it pasture-raised, it's going to be relatively high in PUFA, um, which does get passed on to you. Even organic chicken can still be fed corn and soy. It just means it's non GMO corn and soy, which is better, I guess, but still not ideal. But oh, but listen to this there's a study that shows that genetically modified soybean oil causes less obesity than regular soybean oil. So it still causes obesity just not quite as much obesity so make sure you get your genetically modified soybean oil because you won't get maybe quite as fat just a little bit less fat crazy okay but it doesn't lead to the genetically modified soybean oil might make you a little bit less obese um, but it won't lower your diabetes or your fatty liver okay the study however found that coconut oil again high in saturated fats caused fewer neg- negative metabolic effects than either type of soybean oil or even olive oil. Again, there's one in the column for the saturated fats. Now, if you can't find or afford pasture chicken and pork, then you do wanna eat the leaner cuts, okay? The cuts with la- less fat content. So you're not getting quite as many poofas. You know, a lot of people, I mean, the, you know you have the dark meat in the chicken and a lot of people it's like oh you know eat the whole animal eat the skins well i wouldn't be eating the skins uh, you know uh, pork skins are kind of a big thing in the keto community right um but we're talking about a lot of poofos so i don't i wouldn't be having that um now again I want to point out that meat from ruminant animals like beef or venison are naturally lower in PUFAs because of their multi-chambered stomach, which helps them digest and detox in a different way than the monogastric animals like pigs and chicken and humans. We, you know we have one stomach. Um, and so having these more of these more stomachs to process and detox food is ultimately beneficial. And if you will remember, um, those are the meats that got recommended. Remember, did a podcast about that. Um, eat, the, eat the animals that have the split hoof and chew the cud, right? And that's the, the, uh, the ruminant animals. And, you know, if you eat grass-fed beef or wild game, you get more of the beneficial omega-3 fatty acids. So that's pretty cool too. Okay, number four, final thing you really need to think about when it comes to lowering your PUFA content is the restaurant, eating out. I mean you can just assume, okay, if you're eating out, whether it's fast food or a nice restaurant, that they're using PUFA oils. Even if they say they're using olive oil, you have to wonder, you know, if it's one hundred percent olive oil, because they likely buy the cheaper kind that has been cut with the seed oils. Unless it's a fine dining restaurant. I don't know. I know you guys. I know this gets kinda of stressful because I was like, My goodness, can I can't eat anywhere by my house. So don't make yourself crazy. I mean, I have told you we eat out and it does stress, you know, stresses me out a little bit, um, like when we're eating restaurant chips or whatever, but you can't make yourself crazy avoiding trying to avoid every single drop. You just got to do the best you can. And it's why it's super important to have, you know, the quality control at home because it's so much harder when you eat out. You know, even when you buy prepared foods at grocery stores like Whole Foods, they quite often are using um one of the seed oils, and that's kind of shocking, right? It's a real bummer, so you need to look for those uh, when you look at the ingredients. Don't assume something at the hot bar at Whole Foods is using a clean oil. Maybe they've started changing by now, but last time I I don't really go to Whole Foods because I don't have one near me anywhere, and I just think it's, you know, it's got that reputation. It's called Whole Paycheck because it's so expensive, it will take your whole paycheck. Um, But anyway, I don't ever go to Whole Foods. Maybe they've changed their Hot bar ingredients and they use better oils now. I'm not sure, but you might want to check that. Okay, my friends, goodness, today was a biggie. We covered some science, we covered some history, we covered some practical health application. And I hope that today's episode gives you more motivation and more intention when it comes to the types of fats you're using. We want to avoid that hateful eight, as Dr. Kate Shanahan has coined them canola, soybean, cottonseed, sunflower, safflower, grapeseed, corn. Um, corn oil, and rice bran oil. Um, And I would also add margarine to that list. We were never meant to have these omega-6s in our diet like this. You wanna stick to the more stable fats, the ones that God made, the ones we've been using historically for thousands of years and that are much more easy to come by, more naturally, right? Like butter and tallow and um, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil. Those do not have to go through such a major process um, as extensive as the seed oils. So those are the ones we really want to focus on. You know, I wouldn't use lard anymore, um, even though our ancestors did because of the way pigs are fed now. I mean, I listened to an entire podcast and read all kinds of articles about how much higher um, PUFAs are in the modern pigs uh versus the way they used to be fed and the difference between American bacon and European bacon and then the difference in its PUFA content I mean I have you don't even understand the rabbit holes I've been down (laughs) but um and I have to tell you we don't need as much bacon as we used to um we do sometimes you know but just not quite as much as we used to and I don't use my bacon grease near as much as I used to either Um, Unless I have a really high quality pastured pork, if you are, go for it because um, that's going to have less PUFA content. We're not perfect at my house, you know. Sometimes there are chips that have sunflower oil or a gluten-free product that has canola oil. Um, try to keep those very minimal. Um, and I never use the I never use the seed oils in my home or any fake butter for cooking. We don't use them for cooking at all we eat out minimally, you know, we eat a lot of grass fed beef. So overall, we're doing pretty well. And that's just really what um, the goal is here, you know, do the best you can. And I just hope you'll pay more attention to your PUFA intake and minimize it as much as possible. All right, my friend, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week. And I will talk to you soon.